Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you're leading us through the Holy Spirit and that as we are followers of Jesus, we recognize that the Holy Spirit is showing us what you want us to do, saying to us what you want us to say. We want to minister prophetically. It's not the only thing we want to do, Lord, but we certainly want to give people words that are from heaven. And so I just pray that you would use our gathering tonight to share with us and show us how to do that. And that we wouldn't look down on ourselves and think, well, that's not for me. We would just look to the Holy Spirit and we would invite him in to share with us things that are on your heart for others. And so, Lord, let us hear and let us see in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, we've got about 100 references tonight, so I don't know where to tell you to park. Maybe uh, 2 Timothy 3, Acts 2, something like that. But I will be reading from, uh, from the New American Standard Version And I want to share with you a very practical lesson this evening. Um, In fact, it's going to be more me just sort of talking with you about something that is an important part of the conversation about prophesying. We've laid a lot of theological foundation at this point so far. I mean, if you haven't been with us, we've talked about how everyone can prophesy, the definition of prophecy from Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. We've also talked about Old Covenant prophets. We've talked about New Covenant prophets, false prophets. We've also talked about the prophetic gifts, which we find in 1 Corinthians 12. We're talking about word of knowledge, word of wisdom, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits. I gave you a little bit of a snapshot of the manifestation gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 and tried to whet your appetite for my new book, hopefully coming out, uh, I don't know when, but it's coming out called Spiritually Gifted. I'm looking forward to that. And I wanted to hopefully help shift us into this practical ministry element, which is how do you receive prophetic words from God? How does God communicate? Because seldom is God's voice an actual voice. This is a lesson that I also teach to some degree in my first training, in my first book called Hearing God. And so you might remember some of this, but I'm going to let you know of several other things that you won't hear from that training But we accept many forms of communication in the natural, all right? We have everything from sign language to Braille to all kinds of text messaging and emails and emojis, which are supposed to be like the new text messaging. I don't always understand what abbreviations are when I get them, but we have a lot of forms of communication, and that doesn't even count the over 6,500 languages. Some say there's over 70 100 languages. Did you know that there are languages that only 50 people can speak? There are languages in countries that only 45, 50 people can speak. There are ancient languages that we've buried and new languages that have taken their place. That's why whenever you study biblical Hebrew, you understand very quickly it's not the same. Or Greek, it's not the same. There are different kinds of languages, upgraded versions. And so we have over 6,500, maybe 7,000 languages. I'm not even talking about body language. If you've been a part of a family at all, spouse or not, or friend or foe, you understand body language. They say, some, some say 60% of your communication, some say 75, I've heard 85. I don't know which statistic is true. But a large percentage of communication happens through body language. I was, just the other day, I was with a couple and they had two kids running around crazy like kids tend to do. They were just normal kids. And one of the kids was, I don't even know what he was doing because I was just talking to the couple. And the mom looked down to the little, one of the little boys and said, do you need to use the bathroom? And I was just talking. I'm thinking, why, didn't she, would she know, why would you think that? I mean, it wasn't like he would. I mean, and I, we've had kids. So whatever he was doing was not indicative of going to the bathroom from our world. Usually we see a lot more outward signs. Not now, but in the past. And uh, the little boy looked up at the mom, and uh, she, he, didn't, he just stood there. And then she asked him again, and he said, yeah, I got to go potty. And I, I just was fascinated 
by whatever body language she, I mean, moms are amazing, first of all, but she picked up on that. Another thing is moms can hear through walls. I remember in our last home, um, sometimes Bridget would just wake up and say, what is that? And I'd like come to and go, huh? What is that? It's like, do you have like sonar hearing? But um, she just, women, uh, you're amazing. Deep depth of hearing. And so we have all kinds of communication is what I'm trying to say. All forms of communication. And we've accepted that in our world. You don't even realize it. How many forms go under your nose every day? We don't even realize it. But what's amazing is because of our Western mindset, we haven't considered that God has many forms of communication as well. And so it's amazing. Pastor Steve Shell's message this last weekend about experiencing God and how we've downplayed experience. That is so true. We so much have done that. And, and what you find is it's part of it's the Western mindset. I mean, Aristotle was the one who talked about if you can't see, taste, touch, smell, or whatever, it's not real. And so we've come under this type of thinking and we don't realize it. There's nothing wrong with having an analytical mind, but there's something wrong with only having an analytical mind. Their feeling matters. You don't live by your feelings, but you do feel things. You do sense things. There is a spiritual world. Amen. That's a reality. I walk by people sometimes and I feel something. I, can't, I don't have a better word for it. I know we don't like that terminology, but I just do. And uh, I did before I was a Christian. I just didn't have the spirit of God to help me rightly feel and think. And so now that we have the Holy Spirit, we can hopefully interpret what we believe God is showing us through all of that, how he is leading us in the world that we live in. God has many forms of communication. We've accepted that in the natural. And I want to show you, Scripture actually has many different forms of communication. I contend that there are at least, biblically speaking, eight. Okay? I contend at least eight. Now, there are books that would talk to you about 30 different ways God communicates. And when you find that you read through them, most of them categorically are the same, to be quite honest with you. When I'm talking to you about receiving prophetic words, I'm saying God's going to speak or communicate to us in some way. And as we discern that form of communication, it can be a message for other people. All right? So these are the ways. Number one, we receive prophetic words from Scripture. Now, I want to say this because it's important that although we're a Pentecostal church, we're a church that is grounded on the Word. And we understand what the Word is. The, the Word of God is infallible. It contains the general will of God, which does not change for every believer in every generation. The principles, we, the principles of Scripture are true for all of us for all time. It's not up to my interpretation. We want to rightly understand and interpret Scripture. And I've learned through my time with God that He uses His Word in our generation and in our time to not only encourage people, but to instruct and strengthen. In fact, that's what it says in 2 Timothy 3. This is a very well-known verse. Paul says to Timothy in verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God, theonoustos. That means God breathed, literally means God breathed. All scripture is God breathed and profitable for teaching and for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. This term means God breathed. We want to understand that Scripture is the voice of God that is unique and it's set apart from us just receiving a prophecy. A prophecy is circumstantial, right? It has um, a context, but Scripture is outside of that, right? The flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. We see this from Scripture. But what I found is that God will use His written word in our time of study, in our devotion to it, he'll use those passages in our hearts like seeds. And he'll give them to us to give away to other people and they will be life-giving when we do. And this is why it is vital for us not merely just to study the word so that we understand it and that we grow by it and that we learn to live on it, but also understand that God calls us to be carriers with everything that is spiritual. So whatever we're learning, whatever we're receiving from God, 
especially as it pertains to the word, is also that which we carry from God for other people. Not just in teaching, but they become life-giving words, seeds that are planted in the soil of hearts of those that we know and those that we meet. We see many other passages that talk about what the word of God is, but let me just say it to you um, this way. My practice is to read the Bible every day. Then I journal observations, thoughts, questions that I have from Scripture. This is my practice. I will convince you if I can. Please read the Bible every day. And then, don't stop there, but meditate on it. How do you meditate on it? I would argue part of meditating on Scripture is journaling. In our generation, it helps so much because I'm not sure that we're great. Unless you're unplugged from a lot of things, it's very difficult for you just to take the word in your mind and chew on it, digest it. The word meditate means to consider, to ponder, or consider deeply. How do you do that? The way I do that is I take my thoughts and I put them on paper. And when I put them on paper, I find that they get more attached to my heart. And when that happens, I find that they come back later on. In fact, I have found the more that I have journaled and meditated on the word, the more that when I'm in a conversation with somebody, the word of God will come back to me. And even the scripture that I was studying, the scripture that was encouraging my life becomes a prophetic word for a person that I'm talking to. And here's why I would tell you that we've got to give the Holy Spirit something to work with. So when we're spending time in God's word, it's like we're allowing him to fill us up like a reservoir, and he fills us up with living water, right? So we don't think that we're hiding his word in our heart to dispense it, but we become a reservoir of life, and that word is indispensable. Somehow that worked, but it's powerful. I've had this happen many, many times. I've found that I write scriptures down, and those scriptures become prophetic and powerful for somebody else. In fact, one story uh, of this happening specifically, and I'm sharing this without exaggeration, and I think it's important to say that because too many will embellish and exaggerate, and we need to not do that because we're not helping God by saying something that is partially true. One day I was reading Mark chapter 6. Here's what it says, verse 30. The apostles gathered together with Jesus. They reported to him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. For there were many people coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. And they went away in a boat to a secluded place by themselves. I read Mark chapter 6, verse 30 through 32. I wrote it down just like I read it to you. And I observed it. I made some points of application. I wanted to rightly understand and interpret the passage as it is in the context that it was set into. And as I did that, I didn't realize that this verse was going to be for somebody else. And here's what happened. Later on that day, I was praying for somebody, and the Lord brought to my mind a person that I hadn't talked to for two or three weeks, just brought them to my mind. And I knew that as I was praying for them, I had a burden, and I needed to call this person. So I did. And this person was a pastor friend. And I called them, and I said, hey, I know we haven't talked for a little bit, but God put a scripture on my heart for you. Can I share it? Absolutely. So I shared Mark chapter 6, verse 30 and thir- through 32. And he asked me this question right after I said it, just like this. He goes, have you and I talked in the last week or two? And I said, no. He said, you sure? I said, no. He said, that is the exact verse that God just gave to me. That's the exact verse that God just gave to me. Now, I just want to remind you that there are a lot of verses. The Bible's a big book. It was not a reading plan. I know we have one of those, but it was not a part of a reading plan that he had and that I had. That, in fact, he, he had an aversion to that kind of uh, Bible study. <laughs> he didn't make fun of it. I don't, by the way. He didn't like that, you know. So he had his own thing. He said, the Lord gave me that verse. And as a result of it, he asked his church council for a three-month sabbatical. That three-month sabbatical not only was a time away, but when he came back, he ended up moving to another state. I gave him the same verse the Lord gave him, which sparked not only a a sabbatical, but a transition. It was the affirmation, the confirmation that he needed to move down this road. He was on the conveyor belt of heaven. What I'm saying is it doesn't have to be a pastor situation or a church situation, but you can receive a verse and you think, man, this is really encouraging. This is really powerful, but it's not for you. It's a prophetic word for another person. And as we talked about last week, it could become the confirmation that they need 
to do something drastic that they would never do without God highlighting it in such a specific way. Aren't you thankful that God does that in in his spirit-filled church? And we need to continue to cultivate that, see it again and again. Number two, we receive prophetic impressions. Now, an impression is where you feel something. I know we don't like that word, but just bear with me, where we think something, we know something about a person or a situation. I, I, I call it a gut feeling, all right? I have a gut feeling. And a lot of times we take these as negative, like I have a bad feeling about sister so-and-so. It's like you might be critical. You might be critical, all right? You better pray about that. It's not just having bad feelings about people, ladies and gentlemen. We've, we've got to learn to have good feelings about people too. Did you know God has good feelings about people? Not our sin, that's for sure. But we know that God will give us impressions, this sense, this feeling, this gut feeling. There's no word in the Bible called impression. It does not exist. I would argue, though, that maybe in Acts 27, when the Apostle Paul was imprisoned for some time, and in the process, he does this wonderful thing. He appeals to Caesar. (laughs) Nobody would do that except for the Apostle Paul. He appeals to stand trial before Caesar. And so they prepare a ship specifically for him, and they send him to Rome. And during that time, as he's on the ship, there's a storm and this weather, these contrary winds, rough seas come, and Paul is standing on the bow of the boat, or he's standing on the deck of the ship in the midst of that, and this is what happens. Listen, Acts 27, verse 9. When considerable time had passed, the voyage was now dangerous, since even the fast was already over, they had fasted. Paul began to admonish them and said to them, men... I perceive that the voyage will certainly be with damage and great loss. Notice that word perceive. Sometimes the word discern would be there. That's not the same word in this context. I discern. He's saying I perceive. This word is to behold. It's to see. It's to sense. I behold. I perceive. And what what I'm saying is, well, let me finish the verse. This, this will certainly end with damage, great loss, not only of cargo of the ship, but also of our own lives. But the centurion was more persuaded by the pilot and the captain of the ship than by what Paul said. I picture it like this. This is my opinion. You could differ with me and still go to heaven on this one. But I perceive, I, I think Paul's standing on the ship and he looks at the sea and God gives him an impression. He has this impression. Here's what's going to happen. Now, it could have been that he had a vision, he could have a thought, and the scripture didn't record it. My opinion, I perceive. I just think he had a sense when he looked out, and he shared it with them, and they ignored him. But they did almost lose their lives. They did get shipwrecked. They ended up on an island, and then they saw the power of God through Paul shaking off a snake. And there was, Anyways, a lot of stuff, cool stuff happened. I think that's potentially an impression. I have found that God does this. The Lord will give us impressions, and we don't have words for it. Sometimes the best we have is, de- is a description. You say, well, how do you know? Because I have experience with this. And, and I, don't, I don't know how to describe it all the time, but it's almost like if you can imagine snow, and we get it sometimes here in the Northwest, right? If you were to see the snow just falling down, it's this blanket, it's six inches thick, and you were to take a step out into the snow, you step into the snow, and you take your foot out, and it what? Leaves a impression, right? And what happens is it keeps snowing. And so if you... If you walk away and you come back maybe an hour later and it kept snowing, it will fill up that impression and no longer be there. And I I liken that. That's a good way of looking at this is that sometimes when the Lord gives you a prophetic impression, if you don't do something with it, it's like it goes away. And so part of being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and the anointing as we abide in Christ is that when we have an impression, we at minimum start to pray about it. And as we start to pray about it, the Lord will show us what it's for. But a lot of times, if we're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit, those impressions will flee. They'll, they'll just be removed, just like I explained with the snow. But these impressions come. I, I have them happen regularly. They don't always, uh, they're not always attached to a prophetic word, but they can begin. Usually, they begin a prophetic word where we have a sense and they open the door to more words. One of the principles that I've taught before in the weeks that we've been talking about the prophetic, is that when you begin to share what you have, God gives you more. As you open the door, impressions do that. They open the door of of ministry. And as you begin to share what you have, God will give you more. One time, I've told you I used to travel around and speak 
at churches, camps, conferences, and whatever, all kinds of things that I would speak at. I was a guest speaker for a lot of things. And what, one of the things they wanted me to do was prophesy, and so I would. I would always prophesy and seek the uh, evidence of the Holy Spirit, I believe, is the manifestation of spiritual gifts. And so we would ask for the Holy Spirit to show up in power, and that's one of the ways uh, he does that is prophecy. So I was uh, walking around the, the sanctuary before, I think it was before I was speaking, I can't quite remember, but uh, lots of kids. It was a youth camp thing. It was, I did a lot of youth stuff. And I'm walking around, and I happen to be in the back by the soundboard, and I look over at this group of young men, and I walk up to them, and I'm talking with them, and they're shucking and jiving, and we're having a good old time. And I'm listening to them and everything, and I look at this one kid, and I can see him in my mind right now. I look at him, and I had this impression that he's experienced loss. I didn't hear the voice of the Lord. I didn't get a scripture, and I didn't have a thought. It was an impression. It was the feeling of grief and loss. I felt that. And so I looked at him, and I said to him, basically, I have a sense that you've gone through serious loss. And as I said that, I knew right away he lost his dad. I just said it. I knew he had lost his father. And so I spoke to him, just like a, I don't know how to say this other than to say, I spoke to him like a father, because I am one, and so I just spoke to him, a young man. And as I began to share with him that God was not only going to be present for him as a father, restore his heart, but that he was also going to carry a message to encourage and bring healing to others. He began to cry and he, he opened up. He lost his dad. And this actually happened. His father committed suicide. I think it was three or three and a half weeks before this camp. And I just want to share this with you like that. I know who this kid, I don't know him personally, and I'd never met him to that point, but I know the church where he comes from. And I would say to you like this, don't you think that's a powerful moment for that young man? Yes, three and a half weeks after your father commits suicide, somebody pays for your way to go to a church camp and you don't even want to be there and you don't even want to think about God. And somebody you don't know walks up to you and while you guys are having a smiley, funny conversation, he looks at you and says, I have a sense that you've experienced loss, even maybe the loss of your father. How in the world do you explain that? This is what I love about the Lord is that we don't... We're not buying some religious fable. You know what I'm saying? We're talking about somebody that knows everything. And we're stumbling into this stuff. Like we know what we're doing. I love it. I have a smile on my face because I know that God just loves to use the foolish things in the world. He said, Ben, I don't, I don't know if I'm qualified. Well, you are qualified, all right? Foolish things, all right? Everything, you're probably much better than that. All right, enough of that. God gives impressions, receiving prophetic thoughts. Another important way that God speaks to us prophetically is through our thoughts. I want to talk to those of you that would say to me, Ben, I don't hear God like you do, okay? I don't receive visions. I don't dream dreams. I don't get scriptures. I feel spiritually dull most of the time, okay? Maybe you wouldn't say it that far, but I'm just trying to go as far as I need to to get the point across. If you feel like I don't hear God like all these other people, and you want to run away from a meeting like this because you think Pastor Ben doesn't understand me, and they're forcing me to act like I know something, and I've heard it before. If you think I haven't heard something like that, you're wrong. Pages are written about me saying this kind of stuff. But talk to me, you know, talk to me. But the reality is, is that God speaks to us in all these different ways, and a lot of times we don't realize it because we deem it too simple. We deem it too simple. We're looking for the sci-fi when God is just giving us something simple. And let me just bring it down to DEFCON 1 for a moment, okay? This is not science fiction. Some of us will encounter God in ways that is indescribable. That does happen. But for the, for the majority of us, it's that simple. We are super natural. He puts his super on our natural. We move in the spirit as we abide in Christ. So he, takes, he uses you, however you are, whatever you are. He uses your thoughts, your way of talking, your thinking, what you, your experience, your past, the grid that you have, occasionally he'll bring us outside of that. But a lot of times he'll use your mind. He'll speak right into it. And I have found that for some of us maybe that don't jive with 
all of the other ways of communication, this becomes quite normal and quite simple. And that would be like this. You're driving down the road and you just have name, a name will come into your mind, like Craig. Now, Pastor Craig Kessel and McCann, they're not here. Some pick on them. So the name Craig comes into your mind, all right? You're not even thinking about it. You're just like, oh, that's just a name. See, that's what we do. We think that it's nothing. But here's the question. What if it's something and all we got to do is make a phone call? What if the Lord is popping stuff into our minds and we deem it too simple? Here's what I want to encourage you to do, and I've done this with many people. As those things come to your mind, call people and say, hey, how are you doing? When we open the door, God will give us more. I didn't even try. Come on, that's, come on, that was great. That just is a beautiful thing. Let me be dumb, it's fine. Seriously though, if you'll call someone, you'll get more. That's all it is. And, and we're, we're looking for the science fiction, we're looking for this to be some kind of lightning bolt, but the reality is it's, it's just simple obedience. It really, really is. And we've been taught something else. Or people on this stage, not this one, but other stages, they almost make us feel like it's got to be like that all the time. And so we distance ourselves from that reality. It's not my reality. That's cool. For Pastor Ben, he's an author or something. Or we, whatever the, the reason is, we distance ourselves. No, 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 no. You don't have to look like anyone else, but God does give you things and you may not recognize it. All right, so let me convince you. Prophetic thoughts. I love this. This is what I do. Do, do what I do. <laughs> there are a lot of scriptures that talk about God's thoughts, but look at King David says in Psalm 40, verse 5. Many, O Lord, my God, are the wonders which you have done, and your thoughts toward us, there is none to compare. If I would declare and speak of them, they would be too numerous to count. Your thoughts toward us are too numerous I can't count them. Now, you and I see people by the flesh. We tend to think things that just based on the natural. We know God knows what's behind everyone, right? We tend to think about people based on what we see. God doesn't think the same way. He says in Isaiah, my thoughts about life, and I would even argue people, are not your thoughts. But we can have God's thoughts, especially as we ask for them. So, I would say for you and I to start here, God, how do you see this person? What are the thoughts that you have for them? That's a prayer to pray, isn't it? Especially if you're struggling with another person. Oh yeah. Jesus teaches us to love people that don't love us in return. He teaches us to pray for people that despitefully use us. Let me tell you, the way that you get a heart for somebody that you don't like or doesn't connect with you or maybe they're using you, maybe they're saying things against you, maybe you just, they just get under your skin. You get a heart for them as you begin to pray for them. But let, let me tell you this, when you pray for them, the Lord will start to give you blessing for them. Oh man. And then as you get prophetic insight for their life, you can become a prophetic voice to the people that have been anything but that to you. Because God genuinely imparts that as we pray. God, what are your thoughts for this person? And he'll do that. What are your thoughts towards Craig? Craig ain't here. What, are, what thoughts? What, what are you thinking about Craig? See, let that change our hearts. Amen. Let it, let it do something that only God can do. Number four, I think. All right. Receiving prophetic visions. Scripture shows us many places. In fact, there's about 234 references to dreams and visions in the Bible, just to name a few. We see this from prophets of old have visions uh, to the declaration on the day of Pentecost where Peter quotes from Joel chapter 2. He says in uh, Acts 2 verse 17, it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind. Your sons, your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit and they shall prophesy. Prophetic visions were not new to the people that Peter was speaking to. It was not a new concept. What was new was who God was giving them to. That was new. They knew prophetic visions would come to prophets, priests, kings, potentially judges. 
they knew that people of position could hear from the Lord in the various ways that God would communicate and, and when he would. But what was new for them is anyone, right? Anyone. And after this verse, in verse 21, he says, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I get sometimes indicted. Ben, can you teach people to prophesy? <laughs> I can't make God say to you something that you want to hear. I can't make God talk to you. I can tell you that God is speaking to you. I believe that. I believe that from Scripture. I can't, I can't show you how to be a prophet, but I can contextualize how it is that we hear from God. It's like teaching the Bible. How is it that we have anything? How do you learn how to do anything? How do we learn how to be spirit-filled people? Receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Pray for the sick. What are the principles that are true from Scripture that empower us to step into truth and do what God tells us to? Of course you can train people to prophesy. You just can't dictate exactly how that's going to look, and it looks differently through each person. That's what 1 Corinthians 12 says, specifically says that actually. It talks about it's the same Spirit who works all things in all persons. Same spirit, right? Gifts of the spirit, they look differently. But this is the reality is that we want, we need to know that young men will see visions, old men will dream dreams. This is just the point of that, that type of language is to say people, common people, men and women, young and old, Jewish and Gentile, they will see, they will hear, and they will prophesy. This was a shift fundamentally from what they understood, old covenant to new covenant. This is a huge thing. The vision is where the Holy Spirit opens our spiritual eyes. A vision is where the Holy Spirit opens our spiritual There are two kinds, primarily. There might be more, I wouldn't know. Number one, you have an internal vision. You're praying for somebody, you're closing your eyes, maybe your eyes are open, but you have an internal vision, okay? So you, you have that. And this is where I would say things like, if you ever see me prophesy, I'll say, you know, I just had this picture in my heart, it's kind of a weird way to say it, but I'm just trying to come up with language that doesn't say, thus saith the Lord. You know, I'm trying to, Jesus just said, go get your husband to the woman at the well. I don't have a husband. You're right. You've had five, the man you're with. Right. I mean, I'm trying to figure out a way to say something to connect with those that understand the language I'm speaking with or speaking. And so it's important for us to know that most 75% of the vision, 90% of the visions that we see probably, I'm, I mean, I'm just throwing this out there, are going to be internal, all right? They're going to be what you have happen inside you. There are also a second category of visions, and they're called open visions. And that's where your eyes are open, and it'd be like a movie screen coming down, or you actually see something in the spirit that it's not in your heart. It's not in your mind. It is in front of you. Now, I've had that happen. I've had that happen about a dozen or so times. Uh, you know, I've had faint things happen. I don't know if I'd classify that as an open vision, but I've had about a dozen open visions. Now, those are not mistakable. Those are not, you know, I kind of saw or felt. I mean, that is about as clear as the audible voice of God. And so, yes, we live in a time where many charismatic voices have embellished, they've exaggerated, and it's left us wanting. It's left us discouraged. It's left us thinking some of this is fake and phony and inauthentic. Yes, that has happened, but it does not take away from the real. The authentic is real. Just because there's a counterfeit does not mean that there's not a real. There are fake $100 bills, but how many of you know there's some real $100 bills? And if I'm not mistaken, a guy named Benjamin is on those. It's a good name. I've only seen one like once or twice though, so I'm not, don't think I can verify that. We see a prophetic vision externally. It's called an open vision internally. That's typical. I, I see the, the, I'm more of a visionary type, right? And this started happening to me when I became a Christian. I got filled with the Holy Spirit sometime six months after I became a Christian. And it was like, I went into hyperspeed. I mean, I, I started seeing things and I didn't have any guidance for this, but it was, it was typical. And, uh, but in those days, I didn't have any temperance, so I didn't know what to do with what I was seeing, and uh, I was very zealous. But this has become a lot more, uh, this, in my opinion, this is one of the primary ways how people receive prophetic words from the Lord. Um, but they're faint. They're not always as strong as some communicate, right? And, and, and the reason I want to take the time to say this 
is because I genuinely feel like I have a lot of conversations where people will say to me, Ben, I don't, I don't receive that, or I don't hear God like that, or I don't hear God at all, and it's not my gift. Well, having the gift of prophecy and being a prophet, that's a ministry and that's a gift. We can all prophesy. We can all learn to receive from the Lord. We have, but number one, we have to have a prayer life, okay? I mean, you can't have no prayer life and go, I don't ever hear from God. No, I'm serious. Like, so if you don't pray, I'm not guilting you. I'm just saying you can't not have a prayer life and expect a spiritual dimension to open up to you. All right, now, is, is it frustrating at times to sit with the Lord and feel like your prayers aren't, you know, like a pinball machine? Ding, 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 ding. They're not leaving the building? Okay, but you got to press through. And I would actually tell you, you know, having gone through this process, when you pray for about 15, 20 minutes, okay, in your own time, you get to that 15, 20 minutes and you realize that you're fighting off a lot of times the flesh and the wandering thoughts. Jack Hayford called them the wandering thoughts, right? But there's a point where when you press into prayer, you notice there's a breakthrough and there's a peace. Some of you need to walk and pray. Some of you need to do something a little bit different than just sit there, all right? Now, I've learned I drive. Sometimes I'll just go on a drive, and man, I'll, I'll go right into the spirit. I mean, it's just how I am. But if I just, sometimes I've, I can't sit. I can't just sit and chill like, like others. You know, Eugene Peterson talks about just sitting and chilling. I'm like, I'm not Eugene Peterson. I'm not. Um, that stuff, to me, I just kind of go, no wonder why some of us struggle. You got to know you. And God walks with you, Right? And I believe that the Lord will show you exactly how that is. But as we press in, I'm not telling you you have to pray hours a day, but if you did, that's cool. But I'm just saying you, as we press into prayer, we'll notice that we'll, our hearts become sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And um, there was a time where the Lord said to me, I, don't want you, I want you to pray. Every time you preach, you have to pray for as long as you preach, right? And so... <laughs> yeah, so I'm cutting this message short. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> That's what you were thinking. Shame on you. Shame on you. I know what you were thinking. But no, it was just uh, preparing my heart. You don't want to preach if you're not praying, right? Just like you don't want to lead worship unless you're worshiping the Lord regularly. It's the same. And I'm just saying that there is this, it's really important for us to recognize that the Lord will speak to us. Um, he'll give us visions and they'll be faint. But a lot of times there's just, it, he starts out where we are. He's not trying to confuse us. It's not some cosmic puzzle. How do I fit these things together? If you don't get it, move on. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I, I've given this illustration. People hate it because they're like, you don't do that to God. And I'm like, I don't know. He's a good father. So what do you do? One time I was helping my son. My older son, unnamed son. We've got two of them. I won't tell you his name. You have the 50-50 shot, though. I was helping him learn how to budget, right? Because we I was aggravated, potentially, of how he was spending his finances at his job. I was saying, son, you need to save your money. And I said, I'm good at that, right? I used to work at a bank, and now I work as a realtor and pastor, and so I help people do stuff like this. So let me just break it down. So I just did this really simple budget. I don't know, remember, know if Bridget remembers this, but it was just like one sheet of paper. It was just like super huge numbers and letters and the whole deal, and just like, brrr. It's like income, expenses, really simple. Here's your income, here's your expenses. And I look, so I showed it to him. I said, do you, do you get it? And he looked at it, and he looked at me, and I said, do you get it? And he goes, no. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm a good dad. I didn't do that. So I, I looked at him and I thought, I, in my mind, I'm like, how do you not get it? So I just crumpled it up and I said, okay, we're going to start over. So I throw it away. And then I drew out something else. And it was almost the same thing in my mind, at least, but it was just a little more simple. And I said, do you get it? And he goes, yeah, I get it. So it just clicked. I think it was the second time. But it was interesting the Lord reminded me of that in my mind. Remember that time that you were showing your unnamed son how to budget? The first picture he didn't get. So I crumpled it up and threw it away. The second picture he got. And I felt like, you know what? Sometimes the Lord will try to show me things and I don't get it. And so I asked him to show me something else. 
And God will do that. And it offends people when I say that, but I'm like, have you thought about who you are? (laughs) God will interact with you like a good father, like a loving dad. You know how quickly we scroll through pictures on our phone, like, God's, he'll show you the right one. Lord, just (laughs) help me out. What am I, what am I seeing here? You know, I've just prayed enough. I've spent enough time with the Lord. I've I've, I've prophesied over a lot of people, and I've found that a lot of times I don't get what's trying to be said. And, and, and the Lord knows. He knew it was going to happen. But as I interact with God, as I dialogue with him, he works with me. Because the point is not about just trying to... F- Some people will take... They'll, literally, they will take a year to try to figure out what a dream means. And they'll come sit in front of me, and they'll say, I had this word what do you think? And I think, discard it. That's what I think. Stop trying to figure this out. You know, recently somebody told me a prophetic word that somebody shared with them, and this is a normal thing. They said, what do you think about this? I don't. Let it go. That was not a word from God. Just move on. Just next photo. Just keep going. See, and I'm saying this because I want to lighten your heart. The word of God, the Bible is the only thing that deserves that level of credence in your life, period. What I'm not teaching you is that prophecies are equating to the word of God. Not at all. But some people will live their lives as though they're the same. They're not the same. So if you have a false word, break it off your life. No person, man, woman, anybody, deserves to have a prophetic word over your life that is equated to the word of God. I'm not saying we're not responsible or accountable or we're not trying to get clearer and concise and cleaner words from the Lord. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying, I I mean, I think cessationists um, should thank me for saying what I'm saying. They're using what I, they will use what I'm saying to you as though, see, that's phony stuff. No, I'm saying that prophecy is not the same as the word of God. It's encouraging, it's comforting, it's exhorting, but we cannot be confused by it. If we're confused by it, next. Thank you, Lord. That's the relationship that I have with them. And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. But the word, we stand on the word. It's forever. It's eternal. It's eternal. I'm more serious about people misinterpreting the word of God than missing a a prophetic word. I am more serious about that because in the word of God shows eternity, salvation, who God is, what God is like. To distort that is a much bigger flaw, in my, in my opinion. I can let somebody's prophetic word go. People share prophetic words with me all the time. I say, thank you for your courage. Thank you. It took a lot of courage to do what you just did. And I think, you know, so, all right, I don't know if I made sense. Number six, seven, or eight, whichever one I'm on. Receiving prophetic dreams. I don't have time to share about that, so I'm going to let that go. Sorry. Receiving prof- God's prophetic voice. There are times where we simply hear his voice. It's not a cryptic code. It's, 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 it's not some interpretation. It's like, we'll just hear a phrase. Now, when I hear the voice of the Lord, I have never heard the audible voice of God, personally. I have friends who have. I have one friend who gave his life to Jesus because he heard the audible voice of God. And it was within that same time frame, he came to Christ. He heard God speak audibly, and he gave his life to Jesus. It's an incredible story. He was gonna take his life, and he ended up having eternal life. That's what happened. While he was literally sitting where he was about to take his life, he heard the voice of God. Say, give me a try. It's an amazing story. I love it. I've never heard the audible voice of God, but we see in scripture many times, Adam Adam and Eve, Abraham, Moses, prophets, Jesus, the apostle Paul, they all heard the audible voice of God. It's very clear from scripture. But what I do believe is that most of us will at some point hear the internal voice voice of God. I don't say still small voice because 1 Kings chapter 18 or 19, where Elijah heard the still small voice, that was still an audible voice. So I try to say internal versus audible. So when you read 1 Kings 19 and you hear a still small voice, it was audible. So I want want to clarify that, that we hear a a distinct voice on on the inside. Now, I don't hear paragraphs personally. It's phrases. It's words. it's, It's a sentence at most. And it speaks right to an issue. When I'm praying over someone, I want you to tell him this. I want you to tell him I'm going to take care of his finances. This is what my word says. 
Encourage them to read Psalm 91. This is what I hear. It's very, very clear. It's usually not mistakable to me. But because it's internal and you have other thoughts, you can convolute that and you've got to learn how to share it. I was uh, at the dinner table last week. I think it was. Uh, Maybe a little bit longer. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I mean, just like, I won't tell you what he said because it uh, makes someone guilty. But uh, she said something to me for one of my kids, just right there while I was sitting there. It was a prophetic, uh, it, was a prof- it was prophetic in that God spoke to me clearly. It was a sentence, a little bit less than a sentence for one of my children. This happens. And I believe as we are equipped to, and prepared to hear the Holy Spirit speak to us and we're positioned properly, he will, he will do that. He'll just do that. And you can't dictate when it'll happen. But you can live ready for when it does. You can live ready for when it does. You can't tell him when or how or what, but you can prepare your heart to hear. And that's what we're doing. That's what we're talking about. And it does happen. We'll get that prophetic voice, that internal voice. And then the last thing I'll talk to you about, and I'm closing, I call this the prophetic flow. I don't, I don't really know how else to describe this. And, uh, it, it, you know, this is one of those... I probably wouldn't teach this to people unless they have been prophesying for some time, but since it's in the book, I want to mention it. Some of you will recognize this, others it will be a new concept, but what we've talked about up to this point has been, this is how God, in advance, gives you prophetic words for people. We talked about visions, we're talking about impressions, we're talking about scriptures, we're talking about thoughts, right? We're talking about internal voice. God gives prophetic words, and this is how they come. Now, there is another, what I'd call a dimension of, of how the Holy Spirit ministers through someone. And I would probably say it like this. It's where you're under the anointing. Now, I call it a prophetic flow. I'd, probably a better way of saying that. But it's sort of like stepping into a river and it just flows. And uh, it doesn't happen for me all the time. But I don't have anything in my mind or anything in my heart. There's nothing in there. No vision, no picture, no thought, no nothing. And I just, I just can tell that I'm in the anointing. That's all. And I know that as I minister to someone, that the Holy Spirit will flow through me and I'm just cooperating with him. I don't have to have anything. I just have to know that. So as I begin to pray and prophesy the Holy Spirit, and this is why I, the Holy Spirit will minister. This is why I say peace is the potting soil for revelation. being embedded into the peace of God. It's the potting soil for revelation. You know, so we have have a hard time with this. If number one, you're not used to prophesying over people, that probably probably isn't something you're used to. Um, So you have to have experience. You'll you'll notice. I remember one time I was, uh, when I was a youth pastor and I was really embedded in learning about prophesying. It was something that God had given to me, but I was learning about it. And um, going to different places and reading books and reading scriptures. And I was like, man, what is it? I don't even know. So I was leading the service one time. And, uh, and I, I was the youth pastor, so I had all the kids. And, and I just felt the anointing. It was so powerful. Like just the presence of God was so powerful. I just thought, does everybody feel what I feel right now? It was so abnormal from what we were used to uh, at that time. Just was abnormal. And I look around and I'm like, Do you, is, that, are you, is that you too? And they were like, uh-huh. So I had this thought, go get all the kids and bring them up front and have them pray for everybody. So that's what I did. I went and got all the youth and I had the youth stand up, you know, born again youth. I had them, I had them stand up and I said, if anybody needs prayer, I want you to come and these kids are going to minister to you and it's going to be powerful. Now, I just said that in faith because I felt the anointing so strongly. I didn't think it mattered who stepped under that waterfall. And what was amazing was that was one of the most powerful services we had ever had because as the kids put their hand on people, God began to minister in the anointing powerfully, healing and deliverance, prophetic words. And it was simple. The kids were not saying these deeply profound things. They were saying simple things. And you know how a kid, like a young person, like a 13-year-old, my son, my youngest is 12, it's how he would say it, right? He'd just say something really simple. I just feel like something's wrong in your marriage. <laughs> it's just like no filter, you know? Like, you're just messed up, you know? 
And I've seen kids say this kind of stuff, and I've watched people cry. I've seen people say, I just, something just really messed up about your life. Like, oh my gosh, this is so messed up. But it wasn't that the person felt that everything was messed up. It was the anointing. Okay? It was the anointing. And it was the conviction. It had nothing to do with the eloquence of words. You hear what I'm saying? It's not the eloquence of words. It's not this crafty dagger that if you say it the right way, it'll just go right in where you want it to go. It's, it's the anointing of God. And, and, and I don't get why the Lord will use us. I, I don't get that. I mean, it's amazing. Do you know that God will trust you? That's scary. It is. I mean, we're not just a pipe that he's flushing through. That kind of prophecy is, is really more about equating to Scripture, honestly. You know. And we're trying to find words to share sometimes what is this gut feeling. How do I communicate this? It doesn't come off the right way when I even try to say it, but I know as I minister prophetically, this is what the Lord will do. He'll, Paul said it this way, and I'll close. He said, and we have this treasure in earthen vessels to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from ourselves. We have this. What is this? It's the presence, it's the power, it's the person of the Holy Spirit. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, in dirt. (laughs) It's a polite way of saying dirt. Earthen vessels, vessels made out of clay to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from ourselves. The weakness that we carry shows the glory of the Lord when we minister what he gives. Because what we're saying and how we're saying, the fact that we're able to minister something from God, it shows the power of God. It shows the glory of God. He can use weak vessels. Let's not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. Some in the room are smarter than others. Some in the room have more experience than others. But does that matter when it comes to stepping up in faith and being used by the Lord? Your experience might help you. It might guide you. But God requires us to have faith and to step up and learn. And as we learn, he'll help us to hone ministry. See, what I'm saying only matters to the person that wants to use it. Right? It only matters to the person that wants to use it. So when we have ears to hear, we've got to say, Lord, I want to be used by you. I want to be used by you. I want to hear from you, and I want to minister prophetically. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.